in pain, physical pain, mental pain. Maybe you live in pain. Maybe you can relate this psalm to a friend or a family member. Maybe you can't right now, but it will be relevant at some point. We see in this question, how long, Lord? That leaning towards God and begging or pleading with God doesn't necessarily mean that this pain is going to go. David's pain hasn't gone. He's writing this psalm. It hasn't gone. But David is bringing God in these first few verses into his pain. He's asking him to be close in his time of suffering. And it seems that David knows that he needs God within his suffering. Verse 4 says, Turn, O Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. And what strikes me here is the truth in these words. When David is crying out these words, when he's writing these words, probably hope when he's singing these words, he is crying out to a God that he knows is a God of unfailing love. A God that he knows cares and comforts him. He is praising God's unfailing love from a place of pain. And he is in pain. He is hurting and he is weak. And he doesn't seem to be shying away from that. And I'm not shying away from that either. He isn't trying to fix his pain. He doesn't seem to be belittling his pain or trying to pretend it's all okay because he's worshipping God. But he is taking his pain to God and asking God for help and comfort and healing. David knows that God hears him. There is no doubt in this psalm of David's belief in God or that God hears him. David knows God hears him and with that knowledge he is turning to his father in pain in these verses with this belief and asking his father to turn to him. Verse 4, turn Lord and deliver, deliver me. David is asking God to turn to him, the one that he knows rules over his pain. He knows that God will be there in his time of suffering. David knows that God hears him. And he's making it clear to the Lord how much he is suffering, how hard this agony is. Verse 6 really has stuck out to me this week. I'm going to read it now. It says, I'm worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. I've just finished five weeks of intense teacher training and was trying to prepare this sermon in the final week, as you do, and was sitting on a camp with all of these trainee teachers one evening and they were all writing essays on education and I was reading Psalm 6. And one of the girls who wasn't, isn't a Christian turned to me and said, what are you doing? Like spotted like the Bible gateway, all the tabs open, all my commentaries. And I said, I'm trying to write a sermon and it's really tough. And she went, oh, what's it on? I was like, why is it not like on John 3.16? Like, why can I not just suddenly be like, guess what? And I was like, actually, it's on Psalm 6. And I read it to her and I read her this verse. (laughs) And she turned to me and she went, I get it. I was like, do you? Do you really? Do you want to like tell me? Um, She went, 
have you not gone to bed every night of teacher training, like worn out from groaning? I went, yeah, but I'm not quite sure. <laughs> That's the point. But what she really, what really stuck out to me from that, and it was all a bit tongue-in-cheek, and she went back and we didn't really talk anymore about it. But actually, she got it on that level. She, she took that verse and, and got it and was able to relate to it. And actually, from that, wanted to know where else I was going and how I was going to do a talk on it. And, and to me, that really kind of brought it back down a little bit. I know this is tough, and I know that this is about David's suffering. But we can relate to this. We all have times where we are worn out from our groaning, where I'm sure many of us have gone to bed crying at points in our life. David's eyes grow weak with sorrow. I just wonder if you've ever found yourself in a situation where you can relate to that. I want to tell you about a friend of mine. I've got a friend called Emma. That is Emma on the screen. Emma is an amazing lady. She, um, we met on my gap year. We were both, we were very 21st century and met on the internet. Uh, we were both writing blogs. Uh, mine was all about living in Rwanda and um, fundraising to, to go to Rwanda for the year. Emma's was very different. It was all about living with a disability and uh, being housebound with little support. And somehow I stumbled across her blog and was reading it, and it really resonated with me. I realised we had some mutual friends, uh, so I sent her an email. Five years later, we're really good friends. Um, I would call her one of my best friends. She's a few years older than me. She's in her 30s. Uh, She did the same youth work degree as Matt a few years ago, and she's been married for about 10 years to an amazing man called Mark. Emma, uh, six months after they got married, she was diagnosed with something called EDS, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. I apologise if you know what it is for my really basic description now. But it's basically a really rare condition um, which affects body tissue, making it really stretchy, which basically means that her bones and muscles don't stay in place how they should. Um, As a result, she has long-term pain, she has chronic fatigue. She has now she has a degenerative digestion, which means she can't process food, and she has multiple dislocations a day. I've actually got written down that she has about 20 dislocations a day. However, I spoke to her this morning, and in the last 14 hours at seven o'clock this morning, she'd had over 110 dislocations. Emma's really sick. Emma's a Christian. She is an amazing lady. She is a Christian. She doesn't go to church much because she can't get there. But she has this incredible faith. She has a love of Jesus. And she truly has one of the kindest hearts of anyone I know. Me and Matt have been really blessed um, by her and her husband in the last few years. They've sent us multiple things. um, If they've even thought we were struggling, even when we weren't. Um, They gave us their sofa. They're amazing, amazing people. Why am I telling you this? Because reading this psalm this week made me so thankful for people like Emma once more. Emma, like David and so many others, cries out to God regularly. She says things like, how long, Lord? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Emma believes the truth in these words. 
She hurts more than I can even imagine. And there are days where she struggles to believe in God, I'm sure. But even in those days, she holds on to the truth that God hears her and her pain and that she will be restored on this earth or the next because of her hope, her belief and trust in the unfailing love of Jesus. And they're her words. David was hurting so much in this psalm. He was sick and he was weak physically and, let's be honest, probably mentally. Yet he turned to the Lord. He didn't try and hide it from God. He knew that that was impossible. David, in the beginning of this psalm, is telling God how he was feeling. He is real with God and he brings God into his time of pain. And he believes that God, when it is right, would restore him. And I believe that David knew he could turn to the Lord because he had faith. And we don't just have faith that David had. We have the truth written in the Gospels that Jesus can hear our prayer and understand the cries of our hearts. Because he suffered on this earth. Jesus, as we can read in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, suffered and died on the cross, taking away all of our sin so that we can have life with him in eternity. Jesus understands the pain and suffering we experience. He goes through it with us. He sits in it with us. He relates to us and he longs for us to be restored one day. But how can I say that? How can I stand here tonight and say that with such confidence? How do I know that we worship a God that can relate to us in our suffering? I want us to turn to Matthew 26. I say turn, it will come up on the screen, so don't feel pressured to find it. This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is Jesus hours before he was arrested, before he was betrayed, knowing that he was going to die a painful death. This is Jesus, I think, at his most vulnerable. This is Jesus being real in his vulnerability with his friends and with God. Let's read Matthew 26, 36 says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus himself said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus, son of God, not only was struggling, but he was open and he said this to his friends. He told them that he was struggling. And once he had told them, he went off alone and was open and real with God, his father. At no point, don't get me wrong, is he seen to not trust God. But he knows that concern, and he, sorry, he shows that concern and that uncertainty of a heart that is troubled. And let's also highlight what Jesus says to his father. 
He says, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. This is Jesus in his time of deepest anguish before the cross. Jesus is pleading with his father. Is there any other way, Lord? If it is possible, let there be another way. But not as I will, but as you will. Even in that time of his deepest anguish, Jesus is saying to the Lord, as you will. You are in control. I know that this is needed for the restoration of mankind. Jesus faced suffering. More suffering than most of us will ever experience. And this is why I believe that Jesus on the cross is the answer to our cry. He's the answer to David's cry in Psalm 6. In Christ, through Jesus' suffering for us, we find this eternal hope and restoration. God does restore. God restores. I want to read you a quote uh, from Billy Graham. Amazing, amazing evangelist. It's a bit long, but it is on the screen, so bear with. Is there a slide before that, Thomas? No? That's all right, we'll go with that. It says this, Death by crucifixion was one of the most painful experiences imaginable, and Jesus' suffering on the cross was far more agonizing than anything most of us will ever have to endure. But Jesus' physical suffering was only a sign of a much deeper kind of suffering he was enduring, the suffering of his spirit. When Jesus died, the face of his heavenly father was hidden and he was torn from the presence of God. This was his real agony, an agony far deeper than that which any other person has ever endured. Why did he have to endure so much suffering? The reason is because all our sins were placed on him and when he suffered and died, he was taking upon himself the punishment that we deserve. You and I only deserve judgment and hell, but he took our judgment and hell upon himself. The Bible says God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. He took your place. He took my place. Let's turn back to Psalm 6, verses 8 to 10, this idea of restoration. Restoration. It says, Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and dismayed. They will turn back in sudden disgrace. David knows that amidst his suffering and anguish, that God has heard his prayer, that he worships and trusts in a God that wants to hear from us and that hears our prayers. But that doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't make our pain any easier. It doesn't make our suffering any easier. I want to turn back to my friend Emma for a second. I was texting her this week about this psalm, and I asked her her opinion And her response was just so helpful that I thought I'd share it with you. Emma said, Whilst David accepts the Lord has heard his plea and accepts his prayer, 
At no point is he healed in our conventional understanding. There isn't a spelling out of, hey, my body is better now. I love the message in verse 6. I'm tired of all this, so tired. It paints a beautiful picture of suffering. Mostly it's a series of fights that leave you tired. Requests being answered doesn't mean restored to full health and now I love God because he's fixed everything. I also think the how long question is so pertinent. While suffering feels eternal at the time, in the space of eternity, it's no time at all. And I don't say that cheaply. I don't remember a day not being in pain. But I know that my heavenly body is going to be worth the wait. God promises us heavenly bodies. We can read that in 2 Corinthians 5. We will have bodies and minds made by God where there will be no more pain and no more sickness. We will live in a world where God will wipe every tear from our eyes and there will be no more sorrow and pain. We can read it in Revelation. Restoration will happen and it's happening. And this restoration has come through Jesus. It has come through Jesus Christ who gave us gives us this certainty and hope to live through pain. And it doesn't mean it's not hard. And it doesn't mean that we don't hurt. And it doesn't mean that some of us have weeks and months and years of suffering. But it does mean that we have comfort, assurance and peace in Jesus in those times. Because he too went through pain. But to hold on to Jesus in those times, to hold on to him, to cry out to him, to bring him into those times, to know that he sits with us in those times, that he relates to us, and to worship and praise him for providing an eternity with him forevermore. Billy Graham ended his last quote that I read with a question. He said, why did he do this? Billy Graham said he did it because of love. He loves us and he wants us to spend eternity with him in heaven. Sin is serious, so serious that it sent Jesus to the cross. But God's love is greater. And because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we can be saved. Turn to Christ and accept him into your life today. We will all have times of physical, mental, spiritual pain. We worship a God who hears us in those times. We can sit in times of pain and it's hard. But the challenge is to reach out to God in those times. God will restore us. God restores As Emma so beautifully said, it might not be on this earth or in the way that we wish, but he will restore us more perfectly than we can ever imagine. Maybe you're a Christian, but you're in pain. And the challenge today is to sit in that pain and to hold on to God through that pain. Let us pray for you tonight. Maybe you're not a Christian, but tonight hearing about a saviour 
who can relate to us in our pain, in your pain, has sparked an interest with you. Let us pray with you tonight. Restoration will come. It's coming. The Bible tells us it's coming. But until then, God hears us. Let us hold on to that hope and that truth through our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.